Um, we have our uh, first message here. It's kind of mysterious. We know the title. It's a, a mass message, but we're not quite sure who the speaker is. So this time I'll turn it over to our mystery guest. Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like you to take a guess on who I am. I'll give you a few, a few clues. I've been in the church most of my life, and I'm from the Empire State, if you know what state that is. And I brought me some tools along here because we're going to be doing a little bit of reconstruction today. So I got my hammer, and I got my saw. Anybody going to guess who I am? Who? Oh, you got it already? Well, I can't fool anybody, can I? People wear masks for many reasons, and I mentioned that last week and kind of passing in my message, and I realized there's so much more to masks. You know, you could write hundreds of pages based on psychology about why people wear masks. Um, Positive reasons, negative reasons. And if you've ever been to a masquerade party, which they don't seem to be very popular these days anymore, but I remember in one masquerade party I was at, and afterwards, because you, you can sometimes have a theme, and then what the part of the party is, you have to guess who's behind the mask in the, at the masquerade party. And when you're a guest, you take your mask off. Well, the one person, after being demasked, uh, another person says to him, you know, I really liked you the way you were when you had your mask on. <laughs> and the person didn't take offense to it or anything, kind of laughed about it, but it, it probably went to the fact that the person felt a little inadequate and his real personality, the real him came through when he had the mask on. He felt free by being behind that mask. So I wanted to go through and base a message on masks. And as I mentioned, I think, in the last time, people wear them for protection, for, to avoid criticism, maybe even to give criticism because of fear, embarrassment, and shame, or to make themselves acceptable to a blueprint of society's standard. That happens a lot. Or to be, or a certain element within society that has power and control to accept or reject. And so to conform to those standards, people put on their mask. And that's only a few of the possibilities. And a lot of them attach themselves to self-worth then. <clears throat> but there are certain circumstances where wearing masks has a positive value also. But for those that are working to be in compliance with a blueprint set down by the world or a business or Babylon in our society, the result can be self-destruction. And we have examples of that with Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson, two examples. And so when one of them can exit that and get their hearts and minds and the emotions straight, and do it in such a way that are in compliance with Christianity, it's almost a miracle. A lot of them come up with solutions, but they come up with solutions that are a set of otherworldly principles. 
and they go into various deviant uh, behaviors that are normal, quote, quote, normal in our society. So they wander around in darkness, making mistakes, trying this, trying that, until they can find some light, some guidance, and some help. And some of them, when they rebound, it's magnificent, and it's like a miracle. And some of them hold on to the beliefs, and they look for solutions that are right, taking one step at a time, sometimes making mistakes. Sometimes going against the powers that be and having to confront those powers that be and even being threatened. And they ferret out the lies, the manipulation, all the while developing strength, confidence, and courage to make the corrections in their own life, even if it means throwing away part of Babylon. You know, I've read a number of their triumphs here in the last six months or so, and it just makes me want to rejoice. It reminds me of the angels when they rejoice when one person repents, because it's some of their, their stories are so heart-wrenching, the things that they have to suffer and go through. And it is something that if you told them the right way, they probably would still have to suffer on through it until they can learn it. But the masks I really want to talk about are masks that we Christians use. And they're masks that may help us or may hurt us in God's hope for us. Because he is building a foundation and a structure that we are going to become. So we can typecast ourselves for the sake of certain acceptable or unacceptable approvals. But to be successful in removing the mask, we must be willing and able, and if not able on our own, then to get the appropriate help. So with that, I want to go on into the work of God because there are many facets to the work of God. We think normally in terms of evangelism, making converts, witnessing, telling the truth about what true religion is. And one of the basic steps that Jesus gives people when he was talking with a crowd that followed him around Got my pages out of, out of sequence here. There we go. A group that followed him around, not because of what he said, but because they liked to eat. And he always came up with food to feed the masses that came out to hear him speak. And we get an account of this in John 6, 26 through 29. And we get to the very basic step one of what Christianity is about. And starting in verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. So they came there for the food. 
Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? His answer is really telling, because I don't think most Christians think of it in this term, in these terms. And Jesus said unto them, The work of God is that you believe on him who who he has sent. Step one, believing. That might be very difficult for some people, depending on what masks they're wearing and what masks they are not willing to tear off. And why is belief so, so important? Well, we get some of that revealed to us in Mark 6, 4 through 6. Again, Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. No honor there. Familiarity breeds contempt. It can't be this guy. He lives on my street. He lives right across the street from me. What does he know? He's nothing special. And so anyway, continuing in verse 5, and he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around about the villages teaching. Contained in their lack of belief may very well be the mask that they're wearing. It had to do with who they think they are, who they think their neighbor is, Do you think there's any aspect of your life that you lack faith, courage, confidence because you're wearing a mask and you're hiding behind that mask? And you use the mask as an alibi for making even your decisions rather than being honest with yourself. It's a tough subject because we're all wearing some kind of a mask, every one of us. We might not know it. The Apostle Paul gives us some perspective on it, and it's not totally negative as I've approached it so far. There's a very positive side to all of this, and we'll get to that a little later. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 19, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the stake of of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the stake is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And if we want to understand some more of that, we can look in society or we can go back into Revelation and get the description of Babylon and exactly how Babylon works. Babylon is about power, control, and wealth and manipulation to achieve those ends. And it's not about the individual people, although it might want to present itself as being that. And the sad part there is that there are some, quote, quote, Christian organizations that operate 
on some of these same principles. Paul continues. He talks about his own work, about doing his own work of God, him as an apostle, as an evangelist, doing the work of God. And he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. And he continues in verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. And here he tells us something about ourselves. You are God's field. You are God's building. We're part of creation, being created right now through the things that we experience. Our masks can help us or hinder us. It's something that we have to identify, each and every one of us ourselves. Where are those masks? What are those masks? Are those masks pluses or minuses? We're going to see a little bit later where the pluses come in at. There are additional factors to believing. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. We have to be willing to do our part. We must be willing to seek. We must be willing to knock, which is actions on our own part. It's not only believing and asking. Now, part of the mask comes in here, because if our masks give us safety and comfort and security, then we're not going to be very willing, perhaps, to step out and seek and to knock and overcome our fears. And it may even prevent you from asking because, you see, if you go out and you start seeking and you start knocking, you may very well learn a few more things along that travel, along that way, along that process. And that will give you more information, more challenges to what you need to talk to God about to help him build that building, to cultivate that field and grow the product that he wants to have you become. Because all of this asking, seeking, and knocking is part of the growing process in what God would like you to become. In Philippians 1.6, he tells us, be confident, or being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun, begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Sometimes people go through certain negative things and they limit God. He's begun a good work in you and he wants to continue doing that good work in you. But sometimes we run up against a brick wall and all of a sudden our willingness and our ability wane. And instead of looking for solutions to overcome the brick wall that is in front of us, we simply give up and stop at that point. That doesn't mean you can't be saved, but it may mean you will have a lesser reward. I always like to focus on revelation because it helps me focus on the hope 
and the end goal that is before me, that is becoming part of God's kingdom and receiving his blessing and going out beyond the millennium into whatever it is he has in store for all of us, way beyond that. And I have my own speculation on it, and that is that we will have planets, and we will have solar systems, and we may even have galaxies, and we will have our own creation. And whether he helps us do that creation or he gives us the power to do it all at that time, I don't know, obviously. He hasn't chosen to tell us all that, but that's part of my hope, and that's why I like to focus on that. I'm not a fear-mongering alarmist when it comes to the book of Revelation. The things that we suffer in the past that has made us into what we are today, and those things are within us. One question is, are they meant to be kept within us? Or are they meant to be shared as stories with others? Because in those stories, when we reveal our own hurts, our own joys, our own sorrows, they could help others with solutions to their problems. Sometimes that's a tricky thing to do. People are embarrassed, they're ashamed, they don't necessarily want help because it makes them feel like they're weak. They don't, so they don't ask. Other times, they're screaming for help by their behavior, by their attitudes, and you try to help them, and there again, you run, you run into a brick wall yourself. But there are ways, if you're trained, to break down that brick wall. I'm not trained in it. I've seen it done. And I admire those people that can do it. And break that person down. And part of that breakdown is usually tears. When they finally get to the point where they can admit and accept the fact that they're up against something that is stronger and more powerful than they are. We can place masks on ourselves so that others will typecast us into what we want others to believe about us. In other words, I act in a certain manner because by acting in this manner, I meet somebody's approval. One of the I, the reason I got the idea for this message and the mask at the beginner is from a television show. Some of you may have seen it. It's called The Mask Singer. And what's interesting about The Mask Singer is what happens with The Mask Singer is just the opposite of what happens to you or I when we put on our masks. We put on our masks to protect ourselves usually or change our impression. But on The Mask Singer, the artist that is behind the mask, the audience can't identify. And therefore, the audience has no preconceived idea about the typecasting of this artist. 
They don't know, is this artist an opera singer, a jazz singer, a classical singer, a rock and roll singer, country and western singer? And so that classical singer can break out and sing rock and roll and for the first time in her life do something they were inhibited from doing before because they were typecast. It's an illustration of what I'm talking about. So the artist there is free, freed from the clutches of Babylon, of society, of that power that says this is what they have to do and this is the way they have to do it. And they can demonstrate their talents outside of the typecasting that is given by the profession. God's work comes down to the level of the individual. Lots of times, I was going to start this message off with asking everyone, if I say God's work, what do you think of? And how many of you would say evangelism, witnessing? And how many would say it's creating the individual that he wants us to be? I have an acquaintance, and I didn't know she had done this. And um, she has a tattoo on the inside of her forearm, just below, just below the elbow. And I'm not recommending tattoos. I really personally don't believe in them. I don't think that's something God wants us to do. But she put it there as a result of all the trials and tribulations that she suffered through in her own life. And she put it there to remind her because of the success that she had, the success that she had in turning her life around, even though she doesn't have our Christian belief, she hung to the Christian beliefs that she knew. And so she tattooed on the inside of her forearm God's work to remind her that she is part of God's work. And she believes very strongly that that's why she was able to turn her life around and not go down the dark path. We're doing reconstruction, or rather God is doing reconstruction in our lives. And if we look at ourselves as, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm unrighteous, oh, I failed God again, and we get down on ourselves. May not be the best way to look at it. If we view it as being God's reconstruction and that the boards that we kick out with our feet when we fail to be in compliance with his will, can be replaced by him very easily. And so God continues doing the reconstruction, just like Paul tells us, I do the, the things that I do are the things I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do are the things I do. And then he concludes that whole thing, thank, thankful that Jesus Christ did what he did, and that he's there walking with him. One 
and we'll get that later, I guess. Um, <clears throat> to remember that we are God's reconstructive work, and He is in charge of it, and His love is magnanimous. It's great. It's always there as long as we're trying to do and focused on being in compliance with his will. Sometimes, and especially it's easy for us retired folks um, as a Christian to kick back, put our feet up on the hassock, sip on our iced tea, and relax and say, ah, this is great. I haven't made and I've done this. Last 10 years of my life, I've struggled enough. This last 10 years, I'm going to be on easy street. Then, I recently had something happen that stirred me out of that. I, I lost my singing voice back about when I was 28 or 30 years old. I had a severe allergy attack. And after that, I couldn't sing anymore. And the vocalists, the medical doctors couldn't identify anything. But sometime in the last two years or so, my voice has actually healed. I, I, I was down to like a, a singing range of only six or seven notes, and I'm up to an octave plus four notes. And my whole voice has shifted half an octave lower. So Matt Steele said to me the other day, are you going to start singing? <laughs> I don't know that I want to start a singing career at age 73, but I must say I did think about it. And it certainly is a challenge, and uh, maybe, I, maybe I will do that. Go into some voice exercises and see if I can't do that. But that's something to do rather than to sit back and kick your feet up on the chair and let the time go by and enjoy the last years of our lives. You know, in Luke 12, 18 through 21, he says, so I will do this, the rich man says, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there's a store, I will store all my crops and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Boy, that sounds good. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose, whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So regardless of what our age is, we have an opportunity to serve God, to influence people of God, to help them, to serve them, to be a benefit and a blessing to them. I mentioned earlier about keeping our eye on the goal and maintaining the hope and striving to become compliant to all of his commands and admonitions, becoming just like Jesus Christ, here in the now, in character, values, love, compassion, courage, strength, and not condemning others. In Matthew 5.12, it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so, they, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. No matter, 
carry on. Luke 6, 22 through 23. Blessed are you when men hate you. You ever feel that way? You ever be in a conflict where men hate you? Or, if not hate, are certainly in opposition to you. And they exclude you and revile you and cast you out and call you evil for the Son of Man's sake. It says in verse 23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Standing up to that requires the courage and strength and confidence. And that's gotten by what we do on a daily basis. It's gotten by what we study. But it's also gotten by what we practice. Tearing down the negative masks, replacing them with good masks. And we're going to see what those good masks, I know I keep telling you that we haven't gotten there yet. But there are some good masks. David, in Acts 2, he gives us some, uh, some words of confidence, 25 through 28. For David said concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I, not, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence, making known the ways of life. That is a lifelong endeavor of learning, applying ourselves, trying this. It's asking, it's seeking. It's knocking, not only for physical blessings, but for spiritual development, to understand the things that you're going through and why you're going through. Sometimes we go through things and we sit there scratching our heads wondering, why did I go through this? What was I to learn? And we shake our head and say, I haven't got an idea. Ten years later, the light bulb comes on. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember back then. Therefore, having been justified, Romans 5, 1 through 4, therefore, having been justified by faith, justified by faith, the application of faith daily, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith. We're justified by faith. We have access by faith. Critical factor into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. Hope, a future goal, target of what we work for, of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And probably sandwiched in between those lines, courage, conviction, strength, confidence, It says in Luke 6.37, and this is something that we all can inadvertently fall into. 
Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And in John 3.17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world through him might be saved. Jesus did not condemn. People like to say, when you say to them, judge not, they like to come back with this idea that, well, I've got to make decisions. You can make decisions without condemning others. Jesus, when he met the one woman who the men were accusing, and Jesus bent down to the ground and started writing something on the ground, probably the name of all the prostitutes those men had been with. And he says to the woman, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. So as bad as our world is, one of the factors we must, absolutely must consider is why the people are that way. How they got that way, which we can't see, but God can see. It's critical that we understand that. They may be working as best they can to get through it with all the knowledge that they have, and they come up short. And so, when he says in Matthew 5, through 48, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, be good to those who hate you, pray for those who despitefully use and persecute you. And he says, then you shall be perfect. Well, maybe we have to put on the good mask there. The good mask I was talking about earlier, the good mask is you don't do what's in your heart. See? It's just the opposite of what I was talking about earlier. We may feel in our hearts that I hate this person. How do you think some of the early Christians felt when the Apostle Paul shows up and that guy named Saul killed my brother, or my husband? How do you think some of those early Christians felt when all of a sudden Saul, now Paul, the apostle, shows up preaching Christ. Boy, you talk about a conflict in emotions right there. Big conflict in emotions. That's where you put the new mask on. You put the good mask on. Because sometimes to overcome a bad habit, you start acting in the right way. You put on the good mask. Instead of being critical, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be good things. And do the opposite. So you put on the good mask, the happy face, the uplifting face. And you act like Jesus until that becomes inculcated into your character and your very being. People in the world are placed in the circumstances primarily by Babylon, the ways of this world, and they suffer. Sometimes they don't even know what they're getting into. It's because they want to do something, and this is a, is a method to them, for them to achieve their goals that they're really on fire to do, and they get sucked into something, and they don't realize what's happening to them until later on, and lots of times they don't know the way out. And that's part of what we're dealing with in this world, and very few of them can find their own way out. We can help some of them. And, but by and large, many of them have to find their own way 
But that's part about what the new world that Jesus is going to bring to this world is going to do. It's going to wipe out Babylon. It's going to wipe out all the negative masks. So we ought to start now getting rid of our negative masks. Put on our good masks. And always remember, have your tools and do reconstruction. <laughs>